Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another special micro episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, and not alongside me quite yet, but you will hear his voice very, very soon, is the one, the only, Eric Marchin. Uh, on today's episode, we are doing something a little bit different. Um, if you're familiar with the interviews Eric has done during you know, the pandemic or during while I took some time off earlier this year, um, this episode has a couple wonderful special guests joining Eric. Um, there was a little movie we saw at uh, the 2023 Toronto International Film Festival uh, called Swan Song. Uh, it's a documentary that profiles Karen Kane, who is the artistic director uh, of the National Ballet of Canada. She's also a former dancer. Uh, the movie kind of showcases her as she directs a production of Swan Lake. Uh, that is going to be her final uh, show or the final show that she is uh, producing and directing uh, before she leaves and retires. Uh, Nev Campbell's an executive producer on it. Eric and I both really, really enjoyed the movie. You can check out our review, which is available on Untitled Movie Reviews during our TIFF coverage. Uh, but on today's episode, Eric will be joined uh, by the director of the film, Chelsea McMullen, and uh, one of the producers, Sean O'Neill. Uh, Eric has a wonderful chat uh, with both of them. Um, and here it is. I hope you guys enjoy. Take care. Appreciate that. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's wonderful to know that people actually listen and any feedback is, is great. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Matt and, and I talk about uh, your wonderful film. Um, I wanted to start off by asking you, I, I, I'm sure you heard this in the review, you know, when you, when you look at something that is considered such a high art form, there's a bit of intimidation in terms of like knowing certain aspects of it. And especially when it comes to the cultural importance of it. So I wanted to ask just in terms of where you two kind of sort of started in a jumping off point with ballet and did you have any prior knowledge or experience beforehand because like for example my knowledge of it was you know from darren aronofsky's black swan or herbert ross's the turning mm -hmm. point or or the red shoe center stage <laughs> yes center stage yes oh, really zoe saldana <laughs> performance classic, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh we didn't know that much at all which i think is a good thing mm -hmm. um we had done we had done some dance short docs for a cbc show called in the making and chelsea had made a really beautiful short what is that called slip slip an amazing dance short so we liked we loved the relationship between dance and cinema and we definitely also felt like because ballet had all of this kind of baggage in narrative cinema and like pop culture that that was it's always a really interesting doc subject because you can like dispel whatever the cliches are and like go deeper and that's and there's a built-in kind of interest in the world of ballet so all of that was appealing to us but no we felt like i mean i can speak for myself and just say i felt quite ambivalent about the world of ballet and and even a bit suspicious of it um but you know you try to go in as open as you can um i had only seen nutcracker <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that uh, seems to be uh, kind of like the classic one that a lot of people that's their first foray into ballet for yeah, sure. it's Nutcracker or Swan Lake. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of uh, many others, but there is a there is a, an aspect of of that that you just mentioned there, Sean. That it feels almost like a, a gated community, and either you're part of it or or you're not. And I wanted to ask you because you just mentioned in the making of, can you talk about the importance of the collaboration process and how CBC's in the making helped to put a focus on this particular film? 
Hmm. I mean, it was more that Chelsea and I met making that show Mm -hmm. and really loved working together. And um, when it ended right before the pandemic, we were looking for a project to do together. I think we'd also, you know, built a good rapport with the CBC and they really loved that show, even though it was small and very few people watched it. (laughs) Um, So... You know, we got together in in February 2020, right before the pandemic, and we're like, okay, like we've done this episodic thing, like let's we've done this hosted thing. You know, Chelsea had obviously like worked in features and made amazing films, and it was like, what if we were to try to really kind of put our powers together and make something deep and immersive and verite driven and big in scale and produce it ourselves and own it ourselves. And, you know, we like had no idea. We like, if we have all the power, imagine what we could do. <laughs> um, but, you know, we wanted a challenge and we were both like in our early thirties and we'd kind of done some stuff in the world and thought, okay, like now's the time to like try to take a big swing. Um, and then the subject came. You know, so in the making kind of set the table. Um, and I think also, you know, I know that we made a talk about Crystal Pipe and Karen called Crystal Pipe before she said yes. And and CBC took our call, you know, like there were lots of reasons that show helped us, mm-hmm. um, but kind of indirectly. And does making something that is both a docu-series and a feature film change your perspective or approach to how you make something like this, even just in terms of uh, the narrative structure and aspect ratios and and just the editing and, and how you're putting it together? Because I think a lot of people don't realize that it is both, you know, a series and a narrative, and it plays really well as a standalone self-contained movie. And, and, and can you talk maybe a little bit about working with editor Brandon uh, Mills? Our boy genius. <laughs> Our, baby. Our baby boy genius. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like, I mean, definitely f- features and series are very different beasts. And we had sort of agreed, like we saw it as a series, we pitched it as a series and that was something we were interested in making. And we wanted to do something that was like verite driven that had a kind of organic arc that like, um, yeah, we wanted to make a kind of like big series that was also like, it was very deep, but also like accessible. Um, and so that's what we pitched. And then we realized that to like get the money to do it at the scale we wanted to. And for us, that was like a non like negotiable, like we needed the money to do it the way we were envisioning that we would also need to do a feature version. And then we kind of were like, well, that won't be too hard. We'll just like do a cut down. Um, so like definitely like the series like sort of was kind of like first Um and then when it came down to do the cut down, we started to try to cut it down and realized very quickly that it was like not going to work uh, the way we pictured and we're like monsters. And we were like, no, but we must make a great film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we essentially like started from scratch and re-edited the whole thing um, with 
Brendan. <laughs> yeah. And Brendan, we should say, Brendan is the lead editor on the feature, but one of three, he's also our lead editor on their series, but he and John Gallagher and Sabrina Budiman are all editors on the series and they worked on everything together. Yeah, we did actually did a hive um, system on the series. So um, the three editors worked across all episodes and um, passed scenes and back and forth. So everybody kind of touched everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was like... Was like, well, I was just going to ask quickly, was the production done at, at, at that point while you were in, in the Hive sort of set with, with the TV series aspect or the docuseries? We started editing like three weeks after opening night of Swan Lake. So, mm -hmm. and we edited for a year. We finished the series like in April and we finished the feature in August, uh, like three weeks before TIFF. Um, so <laughs> we just didn't stop. We took we took two weeks off at Christmas because Jennifer Bachewell and Nick DePoncier like staged an intervention. And, and told us we had to stop working. <laughs> but otherwise we didn't stop. It was the most intense experience of our lives. Yeah. We threw out the whole edit after four months and started again. Like it was really, really, really challenging. It's mm -hmm. really challenging to like tell an ensemble story to try to like hit that opening night accessible arc, but have the intimacy with the characters and track all of these storylines and bring them to a culmination, like 500 but, hours of footage. Yeah. 500 okay. hours of footage, more data than your average Marvel movie. Like <laughs> we just went nuts. And, <laughs> and then, you know, it was like film school, but expensive because yeah. we got to take the same footage and like make it twice. And I think for me, especially like I learned so oh, much. I learned so much. Like, I'm a different person. <laughs> <laughs> about, what, like, what was one of the most important things that the two of you learned about Re basically remaking a, a film into a longer form narrative um i mean the biggest thing was that like um they're completely different languages and they require different things and they like one doesn't fit into the other um and like you know cinema requires more spaciousness less um you know you need to be less didactic um and uh yeah and tv it's like i mean the bottom line is it's like you are wanting people to watch something over four episodes in a completely different context not uh sit in one sitting you know not like knowing that they're gonna get you know the story's gonna come and they're gonna be told everything over like the course of one sitting you they have to know that like you know exciting things are coming so just um and to try to do that artfully and like not make it feel like exposition you know like we actually, the irony of it all is we started editing the series like a feature. Yes. We like, we're like, okay, we're going to make this like really like verite, like poetic series. And it was like, wow, this actually sucks. This as a TV is so show. boring. Yeah. And then we started making the feature like a TV show. And we're like, wow, like we were so proud of, of the series. And we're like, oh, this sucks as a feature. So it's just amazing to learn like the things that, you know, cliffhangers and like character packages and montages that feel so satisfying in a televisual format feel so corny in a feature format and things like letting the world wash over you slowly and like letting the characters deepen and build in the feature format feel like you want to bash your head up against the wall in a series. Yeah. And I also think um, like even I, I thought it was like, yeah, a really good point, even like down to like aspect ratio, like the in the series um we use like a different for the archival we use a different aspect ratio than in the film because for some reason it just feels totally different and it felt like you know what 
was kind of like stylish in the series and like the way we sort of played with aspect ratio. We changed the graphic. Yeah. We changed the credits. The title's yeah. different. Everything. <laughs> Everything is different. Yeah. So it really is a completely different experience compared to the film and, and, and yes. docu-series then, which is incredible. And Sean, I kind of wanted to ask you about this. As the founder of Visitor Media, how has the company grown in the last few years? And with Swan Song being both a feature and docuseries, does that open up future possibilities to expand upon productions that might be in one medium or one form? And then maybe you take it into another one, whether it be TV or short or or feature film. I mean, the company didn't exist three years ago, so it's grown a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, it was a bit accidental. Like I was building a slate during the pandemic in 2020 and, you know, you have to be able like law of averages says like have a bunch of stuff to pitch because maybe one goes or two goes and everything went at the same time like we got like three green lights in three months and i had no staff <laughs> it was all smoke and mirrors so it was really building the plane as we were flying it and luckily you know we made this feature with crystal pite um angels of atlas and so we got to like learn a ton about working literally with the national ballet and like in the theaters we were going to work in and as a producer that was like hugely beneficial because there's all these hidden union costs and like there's just it's so it's so complex like so many producers when we were starting this were like you'll never get this done like five unions like there's the reason it seems like an obvious idea this show but there's like a reason it hasn't been done because it's really hard mm. um and then you know i made another digital series with Lita pimienta and then it was swan song and you know each one was just like ratcheting up the tension and the pressure and i mm. definitely like got an ulcer <laughs> and <laughs> like a lot of things have changed in my personal life <laughs> but <laughs> But I'm really proud. And, you know, Swan Song was always the biggest project and it was always the one that we knew if if it hit, it could be, you know, not to like overstate it, but like transformative in the sense that um, you can, if it's good and it's big, you can be trusted to make more big things that are good. And, you know, that's definitely like if there's like a strategic goal with this project that this is it. So it's been really amazing to see the reception so far, for sure. Was there Actually, ever yeah. a moment where you felt balance or relief in terms of things were were working or you felt like, you know, this production was kind of uh, moving along in a way that, you know, you felt like you were kind of collaborating with the performers, with with the people involved as well? Yeah, I mean, necessarily. That's mm -hmm. like I'm the only way was to build those deep relationships and make them real. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, that's that's something that like kind of ebbs and flows over the process and ebbs and flows over the production process. Even before, like when we were in development, like even before there's a camera, you're like building relationships, like, um, and then, and then in, in production, especially because you're like kind of pushing, um, for them to be more vulnerable as things kind of unfold and as things occur and happen and you're asking them for access. And so that becomes like a different dynamic. And then in post, everyone's terrified <laughs> of what you're doing. <laughs> uh, so keeping in communication with them, letting them know, like, you know, like, you know, just being upfront and being clear and, you know, like um, they, we had sort of 
you know, final cut. Um, but that didn't mean that there wasn't like, for example, stuff with Shay around her mental health and stuff with Yogita around her injury. Um, we felt like it was important for them to see it before we locked um, those scenes. Um, and then like at the end, you know, we had screenings and that was like, we tried to put as much thought into that as we could. So, you know, we had a separate screening with just Karen in like the theater then we had a screening with like our sub our key subjects, the dancers, uh, all together, and they were like really, really beautiful experiences. Yeah. Um, and even though, and then your Gita, we had sort of an individual screening with her. She also had just has a new baby, so um, we like went to her house and screened with her. Um, and you know, very satisfying days. Yeah, and those were like beautiful, but also like you know, like we were terrified, <laughs> like terrified, like be able to like be able to just like sit there I would sometimes like when I knew like an awkward moment that they like didn't know was coming I'd like blur my eyes <laughs> and like I didn't, like I didn't want them to know I was feeling nervous that this thing was coming but I was so uncomfortable in the moment because I knew it was coming and then I'd be like you know feeling their reaction like I was sitting beside your case the whole time and I was just I was like, just blur your eyes, just blur your eyes. <laughs> was there a, was there an example of that you can you can talk about um, that you there's felt that moment. that pressure that that uh, anxiety? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There's like the moment where um, like we knew that Yogita didn't know that Karen had said that you know she was like thinking about like her injury and putting replacing her with Genevieve, and so yeah, Yogita didn't know that that was coming, and so and I was sitting beside her in her house, mm -hmm. and just like I also just like stuck my nail in my palm as hard as I could so I could feel pain, so I would feel less uncomfortable, and then blurred my eyes and then just sat there and waited for her. <laughs> but she laughed. She laughed. Yeah. It's like almost like an out of body experience where it's just like you got to get out there as soon as possible. So intense because the relationships are real. Yeah, you know? care what you, they think, and like <laughs> you're you've asked for years of their trust and time and like their lives and their stories. And you know, Yogita's never told her story in this way before. Like Shay's never told her story in this way before, and and so you feel this sense of responsibility. And of course, your first and foremost responsibility is to the film and mm -hmm. to the work that you're making but i think for both of us like that can't come at the cost of like betrayal and so but you also don't know how your representation is going to hit somebody and what it's like to see yourself through somebody else's eyes i mean if anybody ever asked me to make a documentary for three years while i was working i would be like you've got to be fucking kidding me get away from me you, <laughs> you know but it's such a vulnerability <laughs> exchange and and so the fact that i mean honestly they all loved it and that was so satisfying it was really beautiful and and after that it was like yeah gala tiff all the rest of it it's like decoration yeah yeah i don't care yeah yeah, yeah your gita when she's when we finished she turned us and she was like you got, are legends you guys are legends <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think that's also really important to to consider because you know you mentioned you, you spent a lot of time working on this do you think a silver lining of the pandemic was that collaboration process and earning that trust with the dancers with the performers with the people that are you know putting together this production compared to maybe even past productions that you've worked on with maybe um, more limited time and resources Hugely. Hugely. Yeah. It made such a big difference just to have this kind of liminal time and space 
with them to get the, to know them as people. And, you know, and so I think the thing that we really learned is like when we were in that screening and, you know, like, I think it's like, I, I always screen with my subjects and like, I think it's your responsibility. Like if you have to stand by your work um, and you, you owe that to them. But I think that was like a testament to like, it was a reminder to me like, Oh no, like this is the work you've done the work to get them there to know that what you're doing is like from like a place of love and, and that you're not like out to get them in any way. What you're trying to achieve is something sort of like an artistic and, and, and that you want this to, to, to sort of be a, a piece of work that represents them um, and represents the their what their world and what they do and how hard they work. So, yeah, I think that gave us the time to get the intimacy, to get to the place where we had that kind of screening. And they understood, even though sometimes we were critical, um, that, that it was all coming from a place of like being real and like representing their world in a real way, which they don't feel is often done, you know, in the black swans of it all. <laughs> Right. A question that I wanted to ask, because you've talked a little bit about Shailen Estrada, who is both captivating and candid and in terms of, you know, her mental health and wellness, and also just in terms of her love for the art form. You know, she mentions that, you know, it's something that she loves so much, but she doesn't feel that sometimes it loves her back. It almost very much sounds like something that Charles Bukowski would say in, in that <laughs> way. And did you remain neutral when you know, she was going through a lot of stress and anxiety. And I know you talked a lot about cinema verite being uh, non-intrusive and, and sort of removed, but is there a part of you as 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 a person and not just a filmmaker that wants to reach out and, and help somebody who might be in need? I don't think either of us believes in neutrality mm -hmm. as even something to an ideal to reach for. I think it's much more about embracing your point of view and questioning it and critiquing it um but and i think also i mean i don't think either of us sees any kind of conflict between having a genuine relationship with a subject and them being in the film i think they're actually like mutually dependent so yeah i mean i don't think we i think it's very clear you know you don't want to get into a codependent relationship with your subject where suddenly you're like responsible for their well-being in any way but mm -hmm. You know, you need to have boundaries. Yeah. But if Shay called me and said, like, hey, I need this or your Gita <laughs> or Karen, you know, like not just Shay, but I, I would be like, yeah, what do you need? Like, <laughs> like there's a genuine connection. I don't know about you. She did ask you for Taylor Swift tickets. She did ask me. She was like, you're the person I know who can get me to see Taylor Swift. And I tried. See? I Sorry, did try. Okay. Yeah, I did try. Secrets I, I, I did not succeed though. So. Uh -uh. Well, um, as soon as Shailene offers Cheez-Its to the crew, I found her completely <laughs> endearing and just such a, a, a wonderful person to have some time to get to know through the film and, and everybody in the movie. And I have to wrap with, with you two, but I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on both the film and docu-series Swan Song. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, you know, we were really, really touched by your your review just because it just, you've honestly, it felt like you were literally inside our heads yeah. making choices throughout yeah. the process. Like everything you sort of like were speaking to were conversations John and I had endlessly. So it felt so satisfying. We're like, this is like what we want, how we want people to see the film. So yeah. it was really exciting for us. Well, well, thank you for that. And and again, like, it's just one of those things where, 
you know, when you're looking from it from the point of view of a reviewer, you you don't consider all the work and time and effort that goes into a movie, even if it's something that you don't necessarily love. You have to appreciate what the filmmakers are trying to do and that consideration and empathy, I think, that is seen in this film really um, is beautifully showcased and it invites so many people in to experience a world that maybe not a lot of people are uh, aware of. So I, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Take Eric. good care, Eric. Yeah.